Hi everyone, how we doing? Hello everyone. I'm Yati Croshaw. Welcome to Slightly Something Else. I'm joined by Matty Sleever. Hello. And today we're talking about the lost art of the video game demo. It just came up on Twitter as I was tweeting it out. Mm -hmm. so I'll just uh, retweet that. And I swear also, we didn't know oh, Frost was doing a video on this. Uh, no, and also we wanted to do this topic we had planned to do, I think like before you went to Milwaukee, because um, it kind of sparked after the Resident Evil 4 demo before that game released, the Resident Evil 4 remake demo. Um, yeah, we have no, this a happy coincidence. We have this list of topics that we keep coming back to, and this is one that keeps coming up. I yeah. guess it's uh, on a lot of people's minds. Maybe a lot of people are thinking, boy, I wish there'd been a demo of Jedi Survivor so we'd know if a PC could run the fucking thing. <laughs> Rest in peace, uh, PC gamers. We hardly knew you. Well, I don't blame PC gamers as so much as I blame the obligation for every game to have absolute cutting-edge tech, in the AAA space at least. Which will be what a if, topic in an upcoming extra punctuation, incidentally, but uh, yes. What if a week before every game came out, they delayed it a week, and then the game just released with like all those patches? In it. I think that's well, well then that one week after release launch date would become the de facto launch date and no. the same thing would happen no. people would go oh we don't need to fix it the actual release date isn't a week till from now we'll be fine alright you found the you found the holes in my logic uh, also Nick wanted me to remind everyone uh, thank you to everyone who, who thank you everyone for your donations your super chats your patreon memberships uh we're gonna have a big patreon update soon with all the cool things we've been working on so oh cool uh, if you want to if you want to get in on that uh make sure you are uh there over at patreon i noticed we've got a new uh goal at the top of the uh stream page there exploring the zelda series with jesse and casey it says uh jesse uh is is a complete zelda novice and he calls himself a video game reviewer he uh, and he asked me. He's like, "Where should I start?" I think Jesse's original plan was to start with Tears of the Kingdom and then the original Zelda on NES. And I was like, "Presumably, you reacted the same way I reacted when I you said you were going to play Half Life Black Mesa before the original." I got okay. So that I feel like that's a taste of my own medicine. Okay. Good also, thing. I know this isn't in the topic of demos. Ravenholm, delightful. What a what a time we had. Yeah, huh. it was uh, really good. I, a classic uh, moment in uh, FPS storytelling. That people got mad because Casey and I kept saying uh, they were stealing things from Dark Souls in the level <laughs> and people were not happy with that. Let me tell you. Well, they wouldn't. But yes, demos. I think you and I are of an age where we remember when demos were much more prevalent practice in the world of video mm -hmm. games. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Certainly, I remember the days when you get demo discs on the front of magazines. I remember buying mm -hmm. Commodore format with a little demo cassette tape. You'd have to press play on the tape to play the first demo. And then if you wanted to play the second demo, you just had to press play again. So if you only wanted to play like the third demo on the tape, you had to play through three other things to get to it. Um, That's funny. You like had to literally <laughs> go yeah. through them. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't just like go to a menu and, and skip around. Analog media, bitches. <laughs> what a time to be alive. And it certainly uh, yeah, so gave you a lot of opportunities to play games you wouldn't normally have tried. Yeah, and it was uh, it was it was harder to just come across games. Like I know this is gonna sound like old men yelling at cloud, but like people now just have infinite free games to play, um, and that wasn't well, yes. the case at the time. And so well, yes. yeah, but, I, uh, I 
have fond memories of tethering them with magazines as well, like the PS1 and Dreamcast era, those official magazines every month coming with a disc and being excited to see um, see what was on the next one. Well, even in this age where ostensibly everything's available to everyone at all times, we still have new methods of curation. We do, I mean, yeah. Things aren't being curated for us by like demo disc compilers on magazines anymore, but there's, there's still like a... Uh, a narrow selection of things people are being exposed to either through following their favorite reviewers or video game let's players or just hearing things on the grapevine generally and there's uh i mean there's people like frost who like his his uh, one of his areas of strength is checking out games in early access checking out demos and sort of Mm. um you know being able to to dip his finger in the pie and let people know if this thing's ready or not yeah, I don't know access. if that made sense. He should get his fingers out of pies, though. That's not early good. access certainly a much more prevalent thing than demos yeah. these days, but not quite serving the same purpose. No, I mean the old uh, the old point of demos was to uh, advertise the game to say, "Hey, this mm-hmm. is the game we're going to make. Here's a chance to play a little bit of it, so you can tell if it's if you'd like to play the rest of it." Yeah, and I think it was it was important. Um, the ones that the ones that really stick out to me were demos for games that I either knew nothing about uh games that were kind of uncharting new territory uh Mm. or games that really had something to prove like it never felt like i needed a demo for like the next installment in a franchise it was more of like oh this is a thing this is a completely unknown quantity to me let me see what this thing is yeah i mean more than once i will download a free demo on steam if i have a vague interest Mm -hmm. but aren't sure if it's for me yep that's the the fundamental purpose and it's a shame that it's not really an obligation of games these days. I mean, these days, yeah. all you'll need to get is trailers. And yeah. uh, I've often made the case that that's fine. Trailers are fine for movies because, you know, all you're going to be doing is sitting and watching. It's just a little snuff, little snaffle smackerel of what you're going to be sitting and watching. Mm-hmm. But if you can't uh, get your hands on the core gameplay loop, how do you even know you're getting something good? Yeah, a lot of some some folks were chatting before we uh, went live in YouTube about how um, you don't need demos today because you have access to, um, you know, streamers playing the whole game or you can watch full walkthroughs of the game. But while that serves one purpose, I, I think no amount of watching someone play a game can can form an opinion quite like getting hands on with yourself it is a medium that you kind of need to be played like no amount of listening to us jibber jabbering can help inform your opinion quite like getting hands on with the game yourself i mean that's why publishers came around to uh let's plays and walkthroughs on youtube Mm -hmm. at first they were sort of clamping down on that because for the obvious reason that hey if someone watches the whole game on youtube uh what reason have they to actually buy it yeah it turns out people still bought games if they saw it on YouTube, because, you know, if you're sitting watching someone play a game, what's the first thing that crosses your mind? Hey, can I have a go? Uh, exactly. Someone's like, it's like watching someone go on a roller coaster. And you're like, well, that's neat. I would also yeah. like to go on that roller coaster. That and, if it, and if a game is so cutscene heavy that you get the full experience watching YouTube, then that's on you as a game designer, if you ask me. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree with that. Um, when I... Uh, yeah, I have I have fond memories of especially in the '90s, um, and I believe Frost even mentions this in his uh, cult take available to members now. Of uh, of all places, probably the 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 demo disc that sticks with me the most came from Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut here in the states, uh, for some reason, had a partnership with Nintendo and released a handful of PS1 demo discs. Uh, I remember and there was those one... PS1 demo discs. 
I had like it a wardrobe full of those like plain black discs in little like yeah. flimsy jewel cases, or just um, or just the little plastic sleeves. Yeah, it was weird. Like I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why that happened. Uh, like what kind of a partnership that was. But I remember there was like they would have like whatever the new Crash Bandicoot game was. They had like Final Fantasy VIII. But the one that always sticks out to me is the original Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And when uh, I was talking earlier uh. about kind of a mission statement demo. That's what that felt to me because no one, there were skateboarding games beforehand. There was like skate or die and stuff on the NES, but um, Tony Hawk, like they've really kind of uncharted new territory there. And that, that game was this weird mishmash of, of puzzle game and fighter and platformer um, and getting hands on with like a two minute demo that looped the same Goldfinger song in the warehouse over and over. I played that thing hours upon hours and that just sold me on an entirely new genre of game i did wonder why the thumbnail of today's podcast depicted us riding skateboards that (laughs) felt a little uh incongruous but suddenly it all becomes clear there you go there you go i like just letting uh, our great artist pad manathan just kind of go wild with it like here's three games just do whatever the hell you want with it It feels like they put resident evil 4 in there the last five weeks uh, that's because I really like Resident Evil 4. Hey, when we do. choose a topic, you got throw out some games. I'll put it. You were always talking about Commodore 64. I don't know what kind of games are on there. Maybe I will. Ooh. So, why do you think demos are no longer prevalent, uh, dare I say, obligatory? Yeah. It feels like we hit a like a, a, a an apex point in the 360 generation when Microsoft mandated that every game have a demo of some sort. Yeah. They said every game, whether it's a, a digital download indie or a big triple a summer release had to have a downloadable demo. Um, and it felt like that almost like caused the bubble to burst. And I don't know if publishers got mad at that or what happened, but um, it feels that- like after that, they, demos kind of started to slowly fade away i think at that time it was slightly less convenient to download stuff download speeds weren't so great and if you were going to put in the time and commitment to uh, download something i guess uh, uh people felt more inclined to just download the whole game yeah i guess that yeah and there's also the oftentimes the demo would still need to like have the engine and everything in there so it would might uh might not require that much extra space to download the whole game. And there is, uh, there's always the argument that um, the time it takes for, like, you know, because a, a demo, if you look at a demo from the outside perspective, it might be you're like, oh, just take a slice of this and put it there. Like, what? That that's no extra work. Um, but you, the the time and resources it takes away from mm. uh, from development, uh, I think a lot of publishers and developers would rather just spend that polishing the game and i know you heard that a lot at like e3 demos how publishers are like this is single-handedly setting the game back because we have to crunch and focus on this tiny vertical slice of a demo to show people as opposed to continuing to work on the final game so i don't know well, if they, that kind of pushback led well, to they, part of it well they still have to do that it's just the demo is reserved for conventions and uh showing to journalists yeah yeah but there's also again there's a difference in demo of we're showing it off on stage and we know it will only be played by a developer compared to it's out in the wild. Anyone can touch yeah. it. Um, Anyone can which, try to run it is. and watch with dismay when their PC fucks it, fucks it up. 
I do like going back to the Jedi Survivor thing. It is funny. It sucks for anyone who paid money for a game that isn't working well. Um, but it is funny that it seems to be working worse the better the PC you have. Um, Interesting. It's like a real kind of eat the rich scenario there. It annoys me because I was, I was, uh, it was the PS5 version that Nick got me to try out. So I reviewed that. And that wasn't very buggy at all. So now my review won't be referencing that at all, but maybe that's for yeah, the best. But the problem is it's buggy not like in a week. Like I think they just announced they're releasing a patch this week. So I don't know. If your review just highlighted bugs anyway and, and then they get fixed in a week, you know. That's kind of the weird thing about reviews that are they're kind of locked to a very specific yeah, moment. In that's the problem with criticizing a game for being buggy these days. Yeah. They just and- they just fix it in post. Yeah, and bugs are, you know, you're, you're a bug you get. That doesn't necessarily mean someone else is going to get it. So it's, yeah. Well, maybe thing. I'll download the PC version on Steam for the post-CP stream and we can see how well it does on my extremely top-of-the-range PC that the company paid for. That's a very good idea. I like mm. that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, demos also, to me, uh, they, they uh, served a purpose for a little while as um, kind of... They, they Trojan horsed a demo in another game, so they kind of got you to, like, eat your vegetables by giving you the dessert of something you were really looking forward to. Um, mm. A couple that stick out to me, Square Enix did this a lot during the PS1 era, where they, uh, like, Parasite Eve was a new IP for them. They, they kind of an unknown game. Uh, they packaged it with a demo disc that had stuff like Xenogears and Final Fantasy VIII. Um, but the one that really sticks out to me is uh, Konami's Zone of the Enders, which came with the first playable demo for uh, Metal Gear Solid 2. Ah, uh, yes, famously. A small slice of that opening. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Opening famously, the very misleading demo of Metal Gear Solid 2 that it was. led people to the uh, understandable conclusion that you play a solid snake throughout the whole thing, like you did the first game. <laughs> and then You play for him throughout the first hour? <laughs> and then discovered to their dismay that they have to... Step into the shoes of a twinky girly man. Uh, who everyone now loves. Ryan, Ryan's retribution is finally Well, complete. they had to basically saw his head off and attach it to Robocop to make everyone like him. I mean, that would work for any character, surely. <laughs> Even the most hated character. Love you, Ryan. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, Microsoft did that again later on with, uh, with the first Crackdown when it came out. It had a demo, I believe, for the Halo 3 beta. Hmm. Uh, and that was back when Halo was like, that was like prime Halo. That was back when That's, Halo was at the, This is like very, very comparable to the practice of uh, sticking hot trailers onto an otherwise not that interesting film. Yep. Yep. I mean, uh, wasn't it the case that I remember hearing a story that uh, when Kevin Smith was making Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, he has a very dedicated fan base, or he did at the time, apparently. Uh, so uh, when he put like the trailer, the first trailer for that movie in some other movie, a lot of his fans would just go to that movie and then leave after the trailers because they just wanted to see the Jane Silent Bob Strike Bob, Bob back trailer. Yeah, and I guess that was again before the. Um, it, it feels like trailers as well as demos kind of had uh, they they were worth more in the pre 
pre-internet have infinite information um, at your fingertips. Yeah, I, Scavenger, I literally remember going to see Meet Joe Black in order to see the uh, Phantom Menace trailer. It's sort of... That's where it premiered. Yeah. Isn't that kind of an admission that the game you're hiding the demo in isn't that great? Saying, hey, come and look at this. Perhaps we c- it could uh, remind you of a completely different, much better game. I think it's less... I feel like the pessimist would say it's an admission of that, whereas the optimist in me says, well, we we don't know if this new thing is going to have the weight to get people's attention, so we'll sprinkle on this thing that's familiar with them. No one knows what Zone of the Enders is, but people like Metal Gear Solid. No one knows what Crackdown is, but people like Halo. So I like to think that it's a positive and not a negative, even though it's probably a negative. You know, the other another reason I've thought of the demos might be less prevalent is mm-hmm. because of the lack of innovation in AAA games these days. Since a lot of them, <laughs> I've often said, are sort of flat-packed from pre-existing engines, pre-existing gameplay mechanics, yeah. pre-existing uh, 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 art engines. Yeah. And so a lot of the times, if you just say to people, hey, this is another game that's like X, Y, and Z, people will go, okay, mm-hmm. guess I'll buy it then. Because people know what to expect now. And your uh, demos as well as being you know a sales pitch it is precisely that it is a pitch potentially for the ideas of the game saying Mm -hmm. hey let's see if this works and you don't really need to do that for a like a gear grindy uh copy paste shooter because we know it works we're just doing that again yeah and especially the um the franchises that we see time and time again like do you really need an assassin's creed demo for the new assassin's creed game or the <sighs> call of duty like well that's these things are how... such known quantities <laughs> well i don't think i need a demo for those games but then i'm going i already know i'm going to play them because it's my job yeah so you might want put that question to someone for whom it is not their job so do you think a uh i mean do, do you think like what is the range of what a demo can do so do you think a good demo can help like can help move sales of a game and do you think a bad demo could tank a game well uh, i presume that's why as another reason we don't see it so much because these days because uh people might have as we say might have known ahead of time the jedi survivor is kind of janky on pc so yeah it could certainly damage potential sales mm-hmm. uh, uh if people uh, uh, got the skinny early on that it wasn't that great. Yeah, but surely if the obligation to put a demo out there, that would motivate people to make sure their games were good. Theoretically, when I see when I see a demo get released, uh, especially for a bigger game, uh, indies kind of an entirely different um, conversation. But for a big game, when I see a demo release pre-release, um, I generally think that the developer and publisher uh, feel strongly about the game. I think that they, they yeah. know they have something good on their hands. So the Resident Evil 4 remake well, demo, yeah. which um, you know showed, showcased just the opening little village shootout, I think they knew that yeah. their game looked good and played good and people buy more go. Putting out a demo like that for, as for marketing purposes, not because of uh, early access purposes where you're trying to squash bugs, mm-hmm. but to put out a demo like that does reflect confidence on the part of the publisher. It's just usually a good sign. Even more so yeah. uh, if you drop a game with no hype at all. As in the Hi-Fi Rush situation. Yeah. That's a very good sign for the confidence the publisher has in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of dropping game with no hype, uh, uh, probably the last demo that like really stuck with me was uh, PT. 
which mm. was released. I mean, which I, I guess is a demo. I don't, I don't know what we'd call that thing, but you know, PT that was released. sort of. It's almost lucky that Silent Hills didn't actually have to follow up that demo because that was such a strong demo. But I don't think <laughs> yeah. you could get a full game out of it. You couldn't extrapolate into a full game. You couldn't really say, "Let's take this and expand it into six hours to make a game." Because that wouldn't also, really, it the was game a good... wouldn't be that because like the demo no, no. ends with the reveal that it's Norman Reedus, and so the game would have the very well, like, least been third person. Right? The game absolutely would not have been that. That was just uh, yeah. it wasn't even like a proof of concept it was really just a, a marketing trailer yeah a playable teaser yeah. yeah um yeah that was that was the one that uh really kind of stood out to me i remember it, it was debuted uh it was one of those and it's out now things at like a gamescom showcase mm. and so it was like i think it was whatever like the morning in germany so it was the middle of the night in the u.s and i just like woke up to messages of so it turns out this horror demo is actually a silent hill teaser and i was like what the fuck is this thing like how how is this possible but the um, other, yeah but the other thing is that uh, a demo can be something fun it can be like a, yeah. a an aside thing There's, yeah it can be a fun because i remember the first time i saw something like this this was back on uh the amiga i got okay. an amiga magazine and on the cover disc was a demo for flight of the amazon queen which was a point-and-click adventure game uh, made by a Brisbane studio, actually. And I later in life, I actually got friendly with the original creators of that game. And uh, Oh, that's cool. They were some pretty close chums of mine while I lived there. Nice. But the original demo of Flight of the Amazon Queen wasn't actually part of the game. It was, uh, mm. it was you playing a journalist. You were playing the main character of the game, but in the role of a journalist, going to visit the studio where the game was being made. And you had conversations with the creators as they were like painting backdrops. That's clever. And they told you about what they were going to do in the game, and they pitched the story, and you got to see some some of the art. Yeah, in that, uh, sort of uh, set visit context, and it was fun. It was a fun thing to do. Yeah. See, that's one of those that um, when we talked earlier, how uh, some AAA developers and, and studios don't want to take time away from the final product like that is the epitome of taking away from the final product um you know and and having something that exists on its own as opposed to just being a small slice of something else um i know stanley parable did that um mm. jedi outcast had a demo that was a level that wasn't in the game i think i, I was reading apparently the first half-life had kind of like a tech demo that was like here's you know futz around with the oh yes sort of, half-life uplink maybe we yeah, could have, uh, yeah. got you to play that as well because that yeah. was a completely separate uh, campaign to the mm -hmm. actual game. Uh, which doesn't feature at any point in the course of the actual game. And, no. Uh, there was Space Quest Six did that as well, of all the mm -hmm. things I could pull out of my memory. Like the yeah. demo, it used some of the, like, the rooms and some of the, uh, the things that were set up for the actual game, but it was a completely separate story for the main character. Yeah, and we still get those occasionally, like in terms of re relatively recent big AAA things. Um, seven years ago or so, Final Fantasy XV uh, released a sort of prologue demo called Episode Dusk Guy. Mm. That was that. It was like its own kind of separate little prologue with an area and combat, and you got a little feel for the characters and the story and the gameplay and everything. Um, and and yeah, it, it, so it feels like we get fewer and fewer of those. Uh, however 
demos seem to have morphed into something else entirely. And part of it is the the nature of services like Game Pass or uh, PlayStation Plus with free trials mm. or publishers like Square Enix that, at least on Switch, uh, a lot of their games they'll release, you can download and play the first X hours of. And then you hit a certain point and you can choose to buy it and your progress will just carry over. So I did that with like uh, Dragon Quest XI. Uh, that's available with stuff like Octopath and, and Live Alive, um, which I think is a pretty cool way to, you know, you're not going to do that with a, with probably a proper Final Fantasy game. But, you know, you'll do yeah. that with a, kind of a smaller, more unknown thing. Yeah. But with uh, the fact that there are so many options for games we could just play right now on Game Pass or whatever. Yeah. And even cases of like free to play games that you can just start playing right now in full, there's less and less uh, ways for a demo to motivate the user to tr- give it a try. It says, hey, we can yeah. just get what we want from all this free stuff. Why would we waste time with a demo? Yeah. And I think that's um, the, the games that really need to prove themselves with demos are now uh, uh, indie games. I feel like indie games, okay. especially indies that have uh, are trying to do something new or do something different, can really benefit from a demo, whether it's part of yeah. Steam Next Fest or a demo that's just released to the public. That's like, oh shit, this is this is something neat. Well, like I said, I've done that more than once quite recently. I've yeah. I'll be looking at an interesting idea on Steam, and it'll say, "Hey, play the free demo," and I will. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Don't mind if I do. Let's see if you pull it off." Yeah, I just. Uh, just last week, they dropped the demo for that game Viewfinder, which I think you guys got to play. At oh GDC. yes, I was pretty excited uh, about that. That's got some yeah. pretty impressive tech. Although it's a sort of um, what was that game? A game where you could uh, change the uh, superliminal, where you could change oh, yeah, the, the sizes of things by yeah. changing your perspective. Uh, it's that sort of thing where if you see it in action, it absolutely blows your mind. Yep. But there's absolutely nothing it could do besides one game. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. It couldn't really apply the technology to something else. Yeah, the, one of the things that uh, again, viewfinder, folks, you could you could download the uh, Steam demo now. One of the things that impressed me the most was I feel like with every puzzle, I was like, "This is really clever," but this has to be the extent of the idea. And then mm. they kept kind of dropping, adding more ideas to it, and I was like, "This is really like I don't, I don't know if the glue is going to be there at the end of the day for the finished product." But like, I thought the demo was was. Just really confident and and really impressed me. It's a great tech demo, but uh, you know, uh, the the holy grail for that sort of thing is that it demonstrates some kind of tech that every AAA game wants to have as part of their game. After that, I mean, yeah. stuff like the portal technology, yeah, uh, that uh, was actually introduced in in Prey two thousand six, but which was used to great effect in Narbacular Drop, and then uh, Valve came along and said, "Hey, that's great. Let's make Portal out of it." Uh, but uh, yeah, shit like the superliminal thing and the viewfinder thing, it couldn't really just like drop it as part of like a big old AAA game. Yeah, and I think part of what makes it confusing with AAA games now is like they feel so kind of just there's so much shit glommed together that you learn in a AAA game through tutorials and mm. there's systems and currencies and menus and stuff that like what what do you show off from a game? Like, what portion of a game do you show off to to sort of lead with the right foot? Like, Forspoken had a demo, and that did the thing we were talking about of that probably ended up hurting that game, if anything. Mm. 
um, because it kind of just dropped players in and without like a frame of reference of not that once yeah. you had them, the game was great, but without the frame of reference of where the story came from or sort of slowly doling out the mechanics, it kind of just dropped you in and you were kind of. Well, that's the trouble, isn't it? I mean, uh, this was the case with shareware and uh, with certain demos and uh, like first 20 minutes of gameplay demos where it always like shows you uh, the the really impressive stuff at the very start. But the what you really need to know to get the skinny on the game is the meat of it, which would usually yeah. you don't re- only have an appreciation for in like the back half once everything was settled in and tutorialized and the like the repetitive gameplay loop had kicked in i mean Mm -hmm. i think hogwarts legacy was quite interesting for the first couple of hours but then it settles into gear grinding copy pasted checklisting across the map bollocks and uh i could see it really turning off a lot of players who got drawn in by the first few hours yeah that's i mean to me a good demo does not necessarily equate an incredible final product it's for me personally because we have to there's so many games we have to cover and there's so many things we have to pick and choose from um i i like going through either something like steam next fest or uh right now there's a like a sort of a story-based um next fest ish thing called ludo Naricon that's going on that i have a bunch of demos of and being able to play 10 to 20 minutes of a game and i can either be like all right i should keep this on my radar or i could probably forget about this um that's just really helpful with curating the, you know, glut of hundreds, if not thousands of games that are released on Steam every week, especially in the indie space. That's why it's smart to get an indie publisher, I suppose, so they can worry yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, if if someone like, you know, Devolver or, or Annapurna, if they're publishing something, that always, like, clocks in my head. Like, okay, this is... You know they're they're pretty good at being tastemakers, so this is probably worth paying attention to. Um, yeah, that's curation. Is, yeah, exactly. What you're talking about there is curation. That's what you want. Yeah. I wonder uh, if also um, there there have been times where a demo has been released and somehow because I have no idea how any of this technology actually works, people have data mined the demo and pulled all sorts of stuff from the finished game. I there know are Pokemon stop doing demos. Because there are multiple classic cases of people accidentally releasing the whole game as a demo with it just requiring a little like uh fiddle about in the code to unlock it. Yeah. Really wild. Um yeah, Pokemon I think like maybe it was Sword and Shield or one of those games where like almost the entire generation like mm. all the the entire new Pokemon list leaked because like people were able to fiddle with stuff and just be like, "Oh, here's here's the rest of the game i mean i've thought about this with relation to my game starstruck vagabond um it would be very easy to accidentally release the entire game as a demo because it's a lot of it's a procedural game oh okay so all the all the stuff's already there it's just like being assembled uh, on the launch pad as it were yeah all i could do is like just strip out all the story cutscenes, and i really couldn't be asked yeah, and then you're, I don't know, with a game, like, with a game that's sort of, uh, I don't know, choice-driven, decision-driven, story-driven, like, what do you, what do you release from it? Do you just start at the beginning? Do you have, here's the first hour, here, here's an interesting chunk from the middle? Like, it seems like the best-case scenario is those um, demos we talked about that are their own singular things, but that... For a small team especially, that seems like it would be take up too much time, too much, yeah. too much resources that could be 
pointed towards the finished product well a lot of studios have uh, very big teams and maybe like if some people have less to do at certain points of development they could be working on some fun aside thing yeah. instead of uh making the red dead redemption horses testicles shrink in cold weather which i presume is the other thing they get them on when they've got bugger all else to do anyway shall we go I would have noticed that if they had not talked about it oh well quite should we go super chats uh we can't oh my gosh there's so many super chats i know i want to get started on them people are being incredibly super starting with eric cartman who gives five dollars and says it seems like the decline in demos is the inevitable result of the ship now patch later culture that has become the norm for triple a publishers well quite i mean early access has sort of taken over from demos as a practice and that's literally like cards on the table that's just outsourcing your qa Mm -hmm. this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell with Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah, we're seeing that with uh, Darkest Dungeon 2 is finally coming out is coming out of early access next week. Um, mm. You know, and that's a game that you could have just been playing on the Epic Store for however long and and seeing as it evolved you know hades was the same way so yeah i'm very glad i waited till the official release to play hades same i'm sure it was a bit janky in the lead up yep yep uh amur yasser gives 25 aeds arab emirates dinari i think sounds right to say uh one what do you think about the idea of a game with a single big boss fight rather than a boss rush Two, what do you think of Unrecord game that's blowing up? Do you want to start with the first one or the second one? I'm not entirely sure what they're talking about. Are you uh, saying well, like Unre- a game with just like one big boss fight at the end rather than multiple no, boss fights? No, I think you're saying throughout? like what if the game was... So you have a game like Shadow of the Colossus or something that is ostensibly yeah, yeah, yeah. a boss rush. What if the entire game was one giant boss? Like ultimately I think the game would have to be... I mean, I mean, it'd be interesting to think about. I mean, you could argue something like Prey 2006 was that because the whole game is set on this giant living spaceship. Yeah. It depends what you define, how you define a boss fight, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, if it was just like one dude with like a million billion health points and you just have to chip away at them for for like 16 hours, I can't see that being much fun. (laughs) I don't know how fun that would be. But it'd be interesting to try to figure out how to in a single encounter how to add enough variety and intrigue and ebb and flow to it to create like a well i suppose you could take an approach kind of like breath of the wild where you could take on the boss as a whole straight away or you could bugger off to like different parts of the map and do like special side things that would knock big chunks off their health bar yeah yeah yeah, if it was almost like... So if you could be on, like, a giant dude, you could immediately start chipping him in the eyeballs, or you could, like, run down to, like, an acupressure point on his hand. 
like if, 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 if Calamity Ganon in Breath of the Wild were like a, a giant beast you could climb, and but then each of his limbs were like Voltron of <laughs> the Divine Beasts, and yeah. so you can either go to his head and fight him, or you can take out his elephant arm or his yeah. camel leg. And then if you do that, the final boss is just a dude with no arms or legs, just lying on the ground. Yeah, it's like the end of Demon Souls. Yeah, yeah, perfect. There you go. I think we just made it. Um, uh, do you know what Unrecord is? I do not know what Unrecord is. Unrecord uh, is a game that blew up last week because the uh, trailer was released. Um, I'll put the, the link here in the chat. Um, and it is a first-person body cam Oh yes, I did hear about this. I'm seeing it on Steam yeah. now. It's a very, very realistic looking game. Yes, where it's like you are a cop and it's all viewed through this kind of fisheye body cam yeah, uh, camera. Um, and it mostly I think people were, well, there was the, the two things people were talking about where A, people are like, like you're going to make a body cam game and you're probably not going to handle it super well. And B, it was, this looks super realistic. Is this fake? Like, is this real or are is some of this live action footage? Because it does yeah. look really good. Yeah, it looks really good. I'd uh, be interested to see. It doesn't look interesting, but it looks good. No, no, no. Well, I'd, I'd want to see what the full game they're planning to do with it. Yeah, you yeah. can see it's a game. Some of the aspects of the animation give it away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a that's um, that was blowing up on Twitter, and we covered it a couple times, and then those stories did really well. So. Yes, unrecord. Well, yes, that's uh, well. Uh, as I said, I'm doing an extra punctuation soon on the subject of uh, how realistic graphics uh, aren't that great, mm. and that uh, they're becoming kind of a albatross around the neck of the games industry. And perhaps it, that's something that needs reassessment. But we'll get to that when we get to that. I completely agree with you. Uh, Dark Groove 86 gives five euros and says, yes, if it's okay to ask, I'm very curious, how many books have you sold and which one sold best? I don't know, Dark Groove 86. You need to ask my accountant. Do you know which one sold the best? Or do you have a, a, do you, do you have I'm a feeling ins- which one's I, the most popular? I'm not entirely sure. I, I want to say Galaxy for Food has the most reviews on Audible, whatever that means. For whatever it's that's worth. That's a decent mile marker, I would say. I guess. This feels a little, almost a little crass to ask that question. I mean, it's, it feels like asking someone how much they earn in a year. Well, Which, they did you know. preface it with, is it okay to ask? Well, I suppose, but you know. I think this is, I think it's an American thing. Like, a lot of Americans don't really flinch at asking someone how much they earn in a year. And that just That's pretty weird. I, mean, I think it's pretty weird. A, from a British perspective, that just feels like a little personal. Like yeah, a little nosy. it feels weird. Why? Why do you need to know that? Are you? Yeah. Are you gathering information to dox me or something? Uh, yes. This is all. This is all a long con to dox you. Okay. Uh, Corpse Fire fourteen. Welcome to early access. Speaking of Welcome long cons. Speaking of long cons, uh, remember everyone in Early Access and Patreon can watch uh, Frost's latest cold take, which is on this very topic. Yeah, and we didn't know that. When we saw, I feel like, when I we, feel like Frost should have done this episode up. instead of me. Oh, well. We, we done goofed. Uh, whenever I uh, stream with Frost, people complain about uh, the two voices are too smooth. 
People are alternately falling asleep or having orgasms. Uh, <laughs> little column A, little column B. Uh, Gary Davis gives five pounds and says, in response to last week's comment, Google Nolf Revival, presumably no one lives forever, that wonderful legal loophole means I get to play it on my Steam Deck and it's sublime. Yeah, last week we were saying how no one lives forever isn't getting re-released because it's in, like, property rights hell. Hang on, I'm just, uh, check that out. Oh yeah, Nolf Revival. So people can't buy it anymore. They just oh, I hate, it. They, don't you just hate when they embed music on a web page who the fuck still does that what is this this geocity web ring i know this really does look like a fucking geocities page <laughs> yeah we both clicked on the same page yeah uh, yeah you download I, well it's well you say revival it just seems like classic abandonware situation to me you can just yeah you can't buy it anymore so here's a free there version to download no one's gonna sue us there you go yeah, Nick, that was really loud. <laughs> Even Nick got jump scared by the No One Lives Forever revival. Oh, could you hear that? Yeah, I suppose. It's just uh, pumping out my speaker audio. <laughs> anyway, good soundtrack, No One Lives Forever, actually. You just yeah. got a brief demo of it just then. So maybe you should check oh, that out. Uh, Alex Armstrong gives $2 and says, Screw demos. Why can't freeware come back? Because... People need to be paid, Alex Armstrong, is the thing. Yeah. People will kind of like some money. Yeah. bring back, If we bring back uh, or bring universal basic income. Oh, oh, further down it says, sure. sorry, I meant to say shareware. Okay. Oh. Because shareware was that thing that they were doing on with PC games in the uh, mid to late 90s where uh, you'd pay for like a little chunk of the game. Huh? Like in the case of Quake, it was like the first episode. And yeah. 3D was the first episode of three. Uh, and then if you liked it, you'd send a bit of money to someone and they'd send you the rest of the game. So functionally very similar to demos, but you'd you'd get more of the game. I think that's the main difference. But it was, was called it shareware because all... you were expected to just share that first chapter as much as you liked. Was it when you said meant when you said send it money to someone and they'd send you the rest of the game, like would that be digitally or phys- physically? Physically, they send you discs in like the mail. Crazy, right? This is weird. What a time! I was over. I was just playing Riven. That was the only game I was playing <laughs> at the time. Yeah, I don't think there was a shareware version of Riven. No, there was just several, several discs of Riven. Uh, that's another thing we need to talk about. As like uh, that was a comparison I brought up in my draft for like the expunctuation about realistic graphics. Because when CDs first came about, they were they had way too much storage space for how big games were at the time. Yeah, I mean, classic point-and-click adventure games. It was like, like these games were originally released on floppy disk. There was like thirty meg at most. So suddenly, it became very important just to fill all that space on the disk, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't strictly necessary. And thus was born the FMV era. Yes, thank you, Square. Fill, filling up the disk with shitty, shitty uh, FMV cutscenes. For Loved literally it. no reason except that the space was there and the and uh, the tech corporations needed to incentivize people to want the most advanced tech. Yeah, That's literally a, the only a... reason they did it and it's also literally the only reason that games are still obliged to have realistic cutting-edge graphics even if they don't strictly need it. I, I wrote a piece recently about how I kind of miss uh, changing discs in games. 
Like as a as a kid, oh, that felt oh, like boy. they were big. It felt like they were important. Yeah, like, I get this wasn't just a video game mom. This is a Final Fantasy Seven. God, I remember having to do that for Resident Evil Four. I think that's the yeah. last time anyone ever did that was with <laughs> Resident Evil Four because the GameCube insisted on having those little tiny baby discs. Now the uh, apparently physical games still come on multiple discs, but they're just some of them are just like here's a download disc. You got to put this disc in, download a bunch of shit, and then put the other disc in. Um, yeah, I mean, half of them are just download codes if you buy them yeah. like retail these days. There's a download yeah. code in a box. Um, I liked uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 had a disc change at a specific point. And then in uh, that was yes, Metal Gear Solid yes, 4, yes. there's the chapter where you revisit it. And at that same point, Otacon wants you to change the disc. But then he's like, oh, no, we're playing on a dual-layered Blu-ray. He's a strange man, that Hideo Kojima. I love him. I thought you were going to say Otacon. I was like, yes, he is a strange man. Well, oh my God. He's also, that- a, he's also a strange man. That's probably why Hideo Kojima kept putting him in these games. And he's just, he's just always falling in love, always banging out. Kind of new Otacon. And then the person he falls in love with dies. That's, yeah, how, it, that's, that's rough. how it always works. That's rough. Maybe he's, his wiener is cursed. Did you find the optional conversation in Metal Gear Rising Revengeance in which they follow up on that? incidentally no people were talking about that on our stream i don't think we found it on our stream. there's an optional conversation with sunny where raiden asks after oticon asks how he's doing and apparently he's become a major player in his middle age i could see like, that like a new lady home every saturday night but he keep but he keeps keeping them at arm's length because they keep dying on him <laughs> anyway pom, pom. Uh, Daniel TH gives $5 and says, Hope you're all having a fantastic day. Here's some money for you all to enjoy whilst I get back to studying for my finals. You do that, Daniel TH. Also, good luck on your finals. I think get yourself an well. important qualification that will in some way help. I mean, I'm a high school dropout and look at me now, but uh, I ain't judging anyone else for pursuing the path of higher education. There you go. Anyway, scavenger, $10. And my wife has... Uh, Maths uh, graduate, and that certainly comes up a lot when she has to count all the dirty nappies she changes. Ah. <laughs> Just kidding, my love. Uh, Scavenger gives $10 and says, You commented games with demos would front load content, leaving everything after the demo lacking. How do you not front load it without it just be the first hour of a normal game? Well, there are plenty of examples of demos that were a sort of more sort of vertical slice thing that was from the middle of the game. <laughs> Which is probably. Uh, which is tricky because you still have to tutorialize all the mechanics and stuff. I mean, that's probably why Half-Life did Uplink, which was basically the spirit of the game, if not an actual chunk of the game. It was just sort of a proof of concept, a little rundown of the major themes. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's Unless you're going to build something from scratch, it's tough to just kind of find a small chunk from a middle of a game that works well. Yeah. Um, Without, without prior knowledge without having to like get that. bogged down in introducing stuff yeah like i wouldn't even know with certain games like i don't know do FromSoft games really have demos like i i, I don't like what would you for a like lot Dark of the Souls, a lot of the hands-on and hands-off actually demos i've seen at e3 and gdc uh would be like mid-game stuff like yeah. that was the case with doom eternal i seem to recall they just have yeah, a quick would, sort of they just a sort of quick bespoke tutorial and then chucked you right into it. Yeah. It's uh yeah, and I remember uh uh like I think it was Dark Souls 2, the the sort of the press demo tossed you in just a boss fight 
like midway through mm. the game. It was like the mirror night. And like everyone was just getting roasted because you're like, you, you haven't even like given people time to acclimate to how Dark Souls 2 feels different than Dark Souls 1. And you're just like throwing them at a boss fight, which in a series that mm. is, you know, hard to begin with. Uh, Alex Armstrong gives $2 and says, thanks for retweeting my poacher post yesterday. You're welcome, Alex Armstrong. I'm always one to retweet anything that references my shit. Uh, what's a poacher? Is it's a, a freeware game, game I made way back in the day. Oh. What was it about, was it about a poacher? Like an animal poacher? Yeah, but in the sort of the slightly quaint sense of like the... Uh, uh, the uh, Danny the Champion of the World sort of uh, poacher who was just like stole a deer from the grounds of a wealthy lord. Gotcha. As the gamekeeper shakes their fist in fury. Oh, you wily poachers. <laughs> not poach, not like the sort of animal poacher you get in like South Africa who like steal tusks oh, from like, rhinos and shit. Yeah, yeah, and, and elephant trunks. Yeah. Anyway. Abdel Corrales gives a 220R dollars. It says, will your game have a demo, Yate? It's got an early access alpha build that's available to download on itch.io, if that's your thing. As I say, it would be hard to release a demo of its current state without also releasing basically the whole game. Mm -hmm. But we discussed that earlier. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. H. Jorth87 gives 50 Danish kroner and says, You did well on Danish challenge. Uh equals uh was correct. That's not gonna that's not gonna make sense without the text, is it? But you sounded more Swedish. Loved demo CDs in the old computer magazines, played ton of a bridge too far. Oh Swedish, Danish, what's the difference? It's all Uh-oh. you know, Baltic oh, Sea, ish. Scandinavian people all ish uh, backpack okay. gives two dollars and says who's the youngest and oldest of the escapist team Ooh, amy's I, the youngest i believe amy's uh is it amy or jamate who's the youngest i think amy's younger than jamate you think yeah well we well, neither of us know their names off the top of our heads i think i know a- amy jamate frost and and nick are all in their 20s yeah i think the oldest might be jack yeah because he i'm pretty old and i know he's older than me yeah so there you go not by very much though no so there you go not a particularly interesting answer but you asked for it and then alex armstrong comes back with two dollars and says shouldn't demos be free looking at you crash four yeah, another right. thing they do now a lot is like, oh, you can get the demo only if you pre-order the game, which is... Um, sort of defeating is, the uh, point, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know if I want to pre-order the game. I haven't played the demo. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I think the... the I think demos should be free. But if you're not going to be free, they should um, they should come with the purchase of another game. 
Like I do, I do like the, uh, like we mentioned before the, you get buy zone of the enders and then get, uh, Metal Gear Solid two demo yeah, yeah. with it. Which, you know, it's sort of skating on the edge for me of paying for a, a demo. Sure. Sorry, I'm a little distracted because uh, a little bit further down, Fate, spelled with a Y, says, you would think so, but Forsaken had a demo. And I think he's trying to he's he means Forspoken. And that, yeah. and that suddenly made me wonder, was the game always supposed to be called Forspoken? Because that's not a very good word. And it feels like no. maybe at some point it wanted to be called Forsaken, but it turned out that, that had been already taken by something. Yeah, that was a game. I don't think I ever played it, but I remember it, there was like a, a girl and a tattoo on the cover. Yeah, because Forsaken makes a lot more sense for the plot of Forspoken as well. Yeah. I'm not even sure what Forspoken means at the top of my head. I was about to say, do they? I never finished the game, but do they explain what it means? I, I don't think they did. I think that might have <laughs> been a case of having to slightly change the title from the one they actually wanted. Similar thing happened, incidentally. If you ever read, uh, like... Uh, uh, DC Vertigo comics from the 90s uh, when they started the uh, John Constantine uh, series of comic book okay. series they called it Hellblazer yeah and that was because they'd wanted to call it Hellraiser I'm Hellraiser sure. which is a yeah. per- which is a perfect title for the John Constantine yeah. comic except of course for the inconvenient fact that Hellraiser was already a thing and Clive Barker was coming from can't take Hellraiser's name. You can't get past old Clive. And uh, yeah, I think specifically because Hellraiser also had comics, so there was a conflict. Mm. Uh, Phil Myasup gives one hundred Norwegian kroner. What's that look for? We love, we like hearing from Phil Myasup. I, I, I agree. You said it differently that time. Okay, Phil Myasup gives a hundred. And says, I kind of think that where demos succeeded was letting you play a level which showcased the best of the game's features. Now publishers just need to hype a trailer to get you to pre-order. Or even games just don't have more. levels anymore. Games don't yeah, have games, levels. Yeah, I remember when like Half-Life had like seamless uh, map design and that felt revolutionary at the time. Yeah. Because it didn't have specific... It had chapters. Every now and again a chapter heading would come up. Yeah. But it wasn't like levels in the sense of like Quake 1 where you you go from map to map and there's a little result screen between each one. Yeah, it was funny. You uh, you kept asking what chapter we were on uh, in Half-Life 1 and A, I, I just didn't know because everything kind of runs seamless and B, for some reason, in the resolution we were playing it in, the font was so small. Yeah, <laughs> so we'd get to a new chapter and be like, what's going on there? That's what happens when you play old games, isn't it? On old like new resolutions. I mean, when Half-Life came out, people were still playing in 640 by 480. Possibly even smaller, thinking about it. What's the last good game with levels? I guess a lot of indie games still have levels. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Celeste or Neon White. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Neon White. Great game with levels. Uh, Richard Wells gives $5 and says, My fondest demo memory was playing Mist on a Mac LC575 at a computer store. You could only walk around the library, but my Mist love affair was born. Mist was one yeah, of those games like- that was selling itself on uh, the really good art and which has kind of aged like milk in the modern mm-hmm. age. Uh, yeah, but man, at the time. Whew, yeah. Doggy. There's another case of CDs are now a thing. Now we can just pack the game full of really pretty art and ex- pointlessly high quality audio. 
FMVs of an, of an old man pretending he's a wizard. Yeah. Who's clearly not an actor. And is trapped in a book. <laughs> Classic. Uh, Scavenger gives $5 and says, A pox on time-locked demos. You get one hour to play this, then it's locked forever. Or when the game is out, this is delisted. CRE Village. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really fair on people who are shittier at the game, isn't it? The time-locked ones made sense when demos were part of a, a kiosk at a store. Um, because that was kind of a way to, if there was a line... Like, your time is up kind of thing. Um, I remember playing, I think like a month before the N64 was released in the US, uh, they had kiosks available at Toys R Us. Mm. And uh, it was like a small, probably five to ten minute chunk of uh, Mario 64. Just the opening of Mario 64. Outside the castle, run into the castle, you can go to the first world. Mm. Like, just wrecked my brain forever. Like, it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. It was like I saw the face of God. Yeah, um, it's funny how it's yeah. less impressive once it's actually at home on your own computer. Yeah, <laughs> sort of the yeah. Mis- some of the mystique is lost. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, John Connor gives five fifty, and says Redfall just came out today. Will the multiplayer game gonna get a ZP? Well, I'll be playing it single player mode, and incidentally, that's always an immediate red flag for me these days when a game says. Uh, when it's clearly got some kind of co-op focus, but the game says it's equally fun to play in single player. It will not be. Spoiler alert, it will not be. I would like I, to play a, a game single player, like from start to finish, and at the end of it say, boy, what a great single player game. And then for the game to go, you could have played it co-op incidentally. And I'm like, shut up. I could never, I would never have guessed. See, they need to do that. Do a little Shyamalan twist. Because every time something's got a got uh, obviously got a multiplayer focus, you can tell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Incidentally, um, so the game comes out at midnight, and re- the review embargo has not dropped yet, which is um, a bad sign. But uh, also, someone uh, I believe broke embargo and published the review for a little bit, and it was very low. And they said it's one of the worst AAA games in years. So- I've I've been. Uh- Hearing smatterings on the old insider grapevine along very similar lines. Which is surprising because Arcane generally doesn't, you know. Fuck up. No, yeah. Like even even stuff that you're not like crazy about is still interesting or at least good. Yeah, what was the last thing? Oh, um, yeah, Deathloop. Yeah, Deathloop Parade. It was certainly interesting. Yeah, I wonder what happened. But, you know, I'm probably going to play that tomorrow, so let's not prejudge. We would never. Maybe maybe like a single day will be enough time to patch out whatever people are complaining about. Patching a new game. One character has got a, has control over a bird, and I think that's neat. I want to be that character who, who can send a bird after people. What, ah. like uh, in the latter Assassin's Creed games? Yeah, you but you could never use your bird as an attack. Your bird was just like a scope, yeah, you scoping could. up the joint, right? Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure at least one of the... Because there's been several. There's been several Assassin's Creed games where you have a bird friend. Because I think Ubisoft were going through a sort of a drone fetish phase. Sure. Because, no. you know, all their other games had drones in them. Watch Dogs, yeah. uh, Rainbow Six, uh, Ghost Recon. Okay. So they had, to put, they had to invent some kind of historical drone equivalent, and that's what they settled on. What were starting in the original drones? Starting in Assassin's Creed Origins, I think, but I'm pretty sure Valhalla had one as well. And I'm all but certain that at least one of those games let you attack things from your bird. 
What if you burned? Actually, exactly the same thing was actually you definitely could in Far Cry Primal, because in lieu of drones in that you had like an owl friend or something like that, and they could drop bombs. I distinctly remember you could drop bombs from your owl friend in Far Cry Primal. What kind of bombs? Well, Stone Age bombs. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Incredible. Scavenger gives five dollars. Says I suspect the idea of the demo might be tied to the free-to-play game. Get you hooked, then go after your money to get the real fun experience. Well, it's possibly, but not quite so blatantly evil. Yeah, I don't think all free-to-play games are evil. Well, a lot of them are. I think a lot because because you know that's the entire business model. Uh, that's true. Uh, Gilded Yetich, member for 16 months in Tip Jar. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Gilded. Uh, Mark Davis gives two pounds and says, which recent indie demo impressed you? Well, it's not... Well, I wouldn't say demo, but I'll tell you a recent indie early access game that impressed me. Shadows of Doubt. Yahtzee playing early access? What's I know, crazy, right? In fact, I'm probably going to do a review of it, even while it's still in early access, because I like it so much. Incredible. There you go. Um, aside from Viewfinder, which I mentioned, um, Frost uh, pointed me in the direction of a game called Valley Peaks. Uh, played the demo of last week. Loved it. It is uh, it is a first-person, a cozy climbing game where you play as a frog. Uh, the, the visuals uh, have, have a short hike vibes, but the climbing is fucking maybe my favorite climbing in any game ever. Cozy you climbing, to, you're just eh? a frog and you're just climbing up a mountain first person and it just feels great is it free climbing in the sort of mount your friends sense where you move the hands individually you move the hands individually uh you you have to attach them to specific like nodes right, yeah uh, i played a, i played a game at gdc that was along very similar lines and i keep forgetting what it's it, called was it this valley peaks where you were frog? no no it was like a one word title it's on one of the gdc videos so someone will know yeah, like the the climbing sims where you control your limbs individually and grab onto things is increasingly a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's probably another thing we probably won't see in AAA games because it's very easy to fuck up the physics. And yeah. your character just sort of spins around and around in a really stupid way that would really probably sort of ruin the tone of something like uh, Uncharted. Oh, sure, sure. And it, it works in this game, even though, like, if you stop to think about it, you're like, what's happening with this frog's arms? Like, <laughs> is, are his arms broken? How is this possibly happening? I guess it'd be interesting to see now I'm talking about it. If they if they had, like, a AAA game with that sort of climbing mechanic in, like, full-on realistic graphics style. Because I've done indoor oh, yeah. rock climbing. I'm a big fan of it. And it's yeah. as much in your legs as it is in your arms. What's the last game to do something interesting with climbing? Breath of the Wild? Um, in the sense that you could climb anywhere, I suppose. Not so much in the climbing mechanic itself, which was just hold down a button and press up. Well, there was kind of the, like, charting charting your surfaces, seeing if you could find a little ledge to kind of wiggle yourself into so that you can regain stamina. Yeah, I guess there was Aping a little more nuance fear to of it. Rain. Yeah. It wasn't crazy deep, but no. a little bit. Because I did get to see a game that really simulates the actual challenge of rock climbing, which is, you know, all in grip strength and assuring your center of gravity is planted before you continue. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Palash T, 400 gives 499, says, Most egregious example of the shareware demo problem. All the good stuff is in the demo, rendering the full game a waste of time. I would argue the original Quake 1 had that. First episode's great. It ends with a boss fight. None of the other episodes end with a boss fight. I want to say the original Blood as well. Feels like the first episode is the one with all the good ideas, like the moving train level and the carnival level. And everything else just sort of goes through the motions a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that could be like a real misleading if like uh, they release a single level of a shooter. You're like, oh, this is incredible. Look at all these cool ideas. And the rest of the levels feel either half-baked or vanilla compared to it. Mm. Like a game like, uh, we, I think we brought up last week, Titanfall 2. That'd be a game like, what What level do you even release? Because levels mm. feel very different in that game. Like the, the levels with the prefab neighborhoods feels very different than the cause and effect, which feels very different from jumping from airship to airship. Mm. Captain Loin gives $10 and says sometimes demos might not be an accurate or complete portrayal of the game see Brutal Legend Wonderful 101 one lied about its genre the other didn't give you the tools you needed to understand it yeah Brutal Legend takes you a while to get into that before uh, the real time strategy elements creep in though in my Mm -hmm. experience I found that the best way was to just sort of only half-heartedly uh, employ the real-time strategy mechanics and just do most of the work yourself. Yeah. By running over all the enemy units in your big car. Yeah, I'm I'm not an RTS fan, and I still found those relatively easy to get through. Like, I get that yeah. it was kind of marketed as, like, this is going to be, like, Double Fine doing Zelda, but with heavy metal in hell. Um, yeah, and Wonderful 101 was a really great creative concept, but just was so bad at explaining how you were supposed to play it. Yeah, which is it has a lot of defenders. It is. It has a lot of defenders amid people who took the time to actually figure it out. Yeah, it was also that again that weird thing of it releasing on Wii U um, originally. Yeah, Uh, a a small audience and an audience that might not have been looking for something like that. Like yeah, the crossover crossover of the Venn diagram wasn't very big. Yeah, of deep, you know, the character action spectacle fighter with the Wii U. Mm. Alex Armstrong gives two dollars and says FMV, one of the major reasons why Sega CD failed. Well, quite, Alex Armstrong. That's a perfect case of what I was talking about, of how they were trying to push the advanced tech, even though the games didn't strictly need it. So they had to just invent reasons to have a CD mm-hmm. rather than have games that genuinely needed them. Needed that remember, amount of space. Remember Night Trap? I remember it very well. Yeah. I remember it was quaint the, that that was like a cultural oh no like I know Pearl it was Clutch really moment. and it was really weird how that was the game that attracted the controversy as opposed to something like Phantasmagoria which is yeah. ac- actually does have a whole lot of really upsetting gore and an yeah. actual rape scene strange then again that was a PC game and PC games sort of uh, scooted by unnoticed during that whole period because they managed to escape the kiddie game attachment that a lot of consoles have yeah, I mean, Night Trap was like, oh, the box you play Sonic the Hedgehog on has has a yeah. voyeurism simulator. I mean, I guess people talk shit about Doom when it came out because of all the violence mm-hmm. and satanic imagery, but there have been plenty of ultra-violent games on PC before then. Even something yeah. outwardly kind of innocent like Space Quest would be full of these just incredibly gory death scenes Yeah, just yeah. because <laughs> there was no, literally no standard for anything at that point and yeah. people, were just, people were just pissing about. 
Uh, Ito Urubari gives 450 ARS. God knows. And says, hi, guys. First of all, happy International Workers' Day. Ooh, that's Fuck me, are isn't we doing it? working? I, I count as an international worker because I'm an expat. Also, Argentine pesos, apparently. Oh, there you go. What would you say is the best demo you have played or the one that best showed the essence of the full game? Mine would be Stanley Parable. Stanley Parable was a good example of a demo that was about demos, mm. which is very fitting uh, for a game I, like that. I guess I'll just cheap out and bring up Half-Life Uplink again. Yeah, th- the three three that stand out to me that I mentioned earlier, um, Metal Gear Solid 2 that came with the Zone of the Enders, um, Tony Hawk that came with a personal pan pizza, and uh, PT, if that counts as a demo. There you go. When you said that came with a personal pan pizza, I immediately thought, wait, the game came with a pizza? Like if you go to the game <laughs> shop, they just had a bunch it keep uh, keeping warm in the oven in the back. Even be, how is this being reheated? Uh, all the games gives 499 and says I remember some older PC demos with timers the demo was 30 minutes of full gameplay of Zuma or some elaborate bowling game timers for AAA demos you know this you've reminded me that every time I play like a hands-on demo at conventions and like uh, game shows uh, there's there's usually a timer on my time with it because Mm -hmm. they gotta have time for other journos I remember after I was like playing Amnesia the Bunker for an hour, I thought I thought I was just sort of stumbling around fucking up a lot. But the dude came in when I was done and said, you got a lot further in the game than most people I've seen. Which I guess <laughs> illustrates the issue with skill gap when it comes to timed demos. Yeah, because if you don't, if, if your demo doesn't have the kind of onboarding that uh, a game's opening generally has, it could be tough. Okay, Alex Armstrong is two dollars and says, "Forspoken to attract and fascinate enchant." Okay, I mean it's still a kind of a shitty title for a game. Yeah, and I still feel like they were probably uh, wanted something like Forsaken, and that was just a sort of second choice. It is mind-boggling to me that that game came out this year. I refuse to believe it. It's pretty this year. It's pretty bad looking to look at it. Yeah. At least we're getting Zelda in a week. That's that's nice. Well, yeah. Ideally before then, for us reviewers. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> Pop, well, I guess I like Bob and Nintendo's gonna be second out. The game did leak though. Everyone fucking bury your head in the sand. The game leaked. Fucking okay. Mario movie was like the entirety of the Mario movie was posted on Twitter. Did you see that? That's really funny. <laughs> and because Twitter's such a shambles right now, it stayed up for ages. Take it down. Yeah. Anyway, Ator Aribari gives 450 ARS and says, Also apologizing for going off topic, my girlfriend wants to know if you have played Rain World, and if so, what are your thoughts on it? Please say you like it or I will sleep on the sofa. Well, I'm going to have to leave you in limbo there, Ator Aribari, because I've never played it. I've never played it either, but I've watched video essays on it, and it's one of those games that has, like, uh, the world exists apart from you. Um, That's I mean, do you know cool. of Rain World? Like the, Not like a, really. I guess the name rings a bell. Help it's, me a, out. it's like a 2D survival platformer where he plays this little, like, slug cat thing in a really oppressive um, 
world uh visually kind of it looks a little bit like uh celeste like a darker celeste um but like the the flora and fauna and weather of the world have impacts on everything um even removed from you so like things are happening um with without your character being present i've always i've been kind of cynical about that as a selling point remember when they were talking up the elder scrolls oblivion and they were Mm -hmm. like these characters are doing shit even while you're not looking at them and i'm like well what's the fucking point then yeah, <laughs> I mean, you could just I don't care about the other side of the map. They're going to bed. Doesn't yeah, me. yeah. I feel like all that's going to happen is that I'm going to show up at some weird hour because to turn in a quest, and someone will be in bed, and I'll have to drag them out, and it'll be a huge, it'd be a huge pain in the ass. I think that works in a in a smaller, denser space. Like I like it in Majora's Mask when it's like everyone's on a set on a set schedule, and if it's two in the morning. Well, this the was the whole premise behind the virtual theater system that Revolution Software introduced in their old point and click adventure, Lure of the Temptress, and that was a huge pain in the ass as well because I'd be looking for the one dude I'd need to solve a fucking puzzle, and he'd be on he'd be across town, and nobody could tell me where he was. And <laughs> the time I got there, he'd like moved back to the place where I'd originally been. Well, so what it was that was called the virtual theater system yes created by revolution software for their game lure of the temptress and which they later used in their more well-known game beneath a steel sky i know that game there you go we found the connection don't don't mess with me when it comes to obscure adventure game trivia i would never i would never anyway uh, Wojtek, Wojtek, however you say that now. Wojtek, the bear. Five you want to talk about that bear again? Remember that no, bear? No, let's not, let's not talk about, let's not get sidetracked by the bear again. Oh, Speaking of Assassin's Creed, do you think Assassin's Creed Mirage, going back to basics, will be better than Odyssey, Valhalla, etc., or more of the same? Anything I would say would be useless, pointless speculation, Wojtek. So I'm ashamed of you for even trying to encourage it out of us. But, uh, but as I said in uh, an extra punctuation not too long ago, anything that you hear about a AAA game at this point, especially ones from Ubisoft, uh, may not well be the case by the time they mm. actually release the fucking thing, so that it is pointless to discuss it. As someone who thought uh, Odyssey and Valhalla got too big, I, d- I don't mind the game trying to, to rein it in. Yeah, but we don't know what they even mean when they say they're going to rein it in and go back to basics 100%. so we'll just have to wait for it to come out so we can see doran grossman naples gives two dollars and says why do some people furiously defend free-to-play games so sunk cost fallacy i think doran grossman naples thanks for your question that's the i mean answer. i think it well, is it furiously defend them or i don't was that in response to me saying not all free-to-play games are, are freaks i don't think that first i don't i don't, I don't know but people um, I think, do furiously defend the things that they've sunk a lot of money into because of sunk cost fallacy. Well, I think uh, admonishing them uh, 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 wholesale, I'm against that because I think the, the, the literal free nature of them uh, opens them up to such a massive audience that otherwise might not be able to play games if it's a, a monetary thing. And uh, then uses asshole right skin box game mechanics to sucker them in like the fucking pigeons in the skin box. And then but exploit them for money for the rest of time. If you're able to just go and enjoy yourself, I like going to a bookstore just to walk around. I don't have to buy anything. And I everyone like, who works yeah, there thinks you're a dick. Ah, uh, no. I buy myself a nice coffee. I knock over books. I find a copy of your book and I put it in the bestsellers. Yeah, we almost did that when we were in Milwaukee. 
we went to a bookstore and we found some of mine and we was like do you want to sign it and i just and i kind of chickened out because <laughs> you know i mean i guess if you just find a randomly signed book in a bookstore how would you even verify that it was the original author that signed it is the question i i like opening up uh collections of shakespeare and signing it billy shakes yes to my darling candy <laughs> Anyway, Gildan Yesich gives five dollars and says, "I think Shareware had the best model. Release the core engine for free with some content, then sell more content for it if the player wants more." Shareware. Well, it's not so easy these days because content no. brings with it all those additional assets and things. Also, people would just data mine it and f- figure out how to unlock the full game. Alex Armstrong gives two dollars and says, "Thoughts on demo CDs like PlayStation Underground? Never Love played them. that one, but the one I, I always..." Uh, appreciate when i think back to it was the old couple of cases that pc gamer used to do where they'd have a demo cd that wasn't just a menu with games on it that put a whole like fully made game in itself usually like a first person mist style adventure game where you'd oh, walk around cool. an environment and interact with things and that's how you discover yeah. the the demos and that you'd have mm-hmm. conversations with characters and it was a whole thing i think that's neat let's go back to that yeah although i don't expect they did it very often. And I feel like if I just wanted to play one specific part of it, I'd be like, oh, get this fucking, why do I have to go through this? Just give me a menu. And if you did it on a monthly basis, it would probably be a massive pain in the ass for uh, probably a not terribly significant return on investment. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Wesley Thomas gives two twenty Canadian dollars, says, here's a toonie, caper for my amusement. Caper, 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 caper. It's caper for my amusement. Well, what caper mean? just means, you know, prance about. Sure. Great and I've, I would normally have blown you off, but Toff, I've been a little concerned about Toffee's weight gain. Aww. I mean, look I mean, look at that jolly face. Look at how much you can pinch. Look at that big chunker. You can get like a fistful of flesh on his back. And it's true, he's been hanging around the kid's high chair too much grabbing scraps hoovering up whatever falls and the kids think it's terribly amusing to deliberately throw stuff down to him so he's getting more strictly observed during meal times and slightly smaller dinners for a while aren't you you big chubster oh poor toffee don't say poor toffee oh i mean if he had the slightest impulse in his head that would tell him he had eaten too much he wouldn't be in this situation no even like uh even fat as he is he'll like go around the kitchen licking crumbs off the floor all afternoon if we let him he wants to help clean great job tough you're doing great i wish he could do a job in a way that would mean he got some bloody exercise where was i I lost my place so hang on Cornish Cream Tea, I believe. Ah, yes. Cornish Cream Tea 07 gives $5 and says, The European PS1 demos had such great menu select screens and music puts modern games to shame. Anyone remember Underwater that came with the PS1? I didn't. I don't. PS1 Underwater. There's a game called Treasures of the Deep. Maybe it's that. Uh, I'm not sure that's what he's talking about. I don't know. Incredible. 
Uh, oh, that was the last super chat. Well, that caught me off, caught me a little off guard. Kind of assumed there'd be more. What a disappointment <laughs> you all are. Yeah, we're just at the point where everyone's complimenting Toffee on him being a little chunky boyo. Well, uh, also thanks. according to Nick, welcome to Patreon, Old the Raven. Uh, okay. I don't know. He just said that. In the welcome chat. to Patreon, Old the Rave, Old the Raven, Old the Raven. However you say that. Well, Welcome. thanks for listening to Slightly Something Else. Yeah. I was Yati Crucial. I was joined by Matty Sleever as always. And uh, the big chunky boyo you see before you. Toffee, I mean. <laughs> Roast. And uh, yeah, so I'll be back on Wednesday with Zero Punctuation, which is on the subject of Jedi Survivor. What else? Although I was playing the PS5 version, so you might won't be hearing about... I wouldn't be roasting it for bugs like you might be expecting. I'd be roasting it for some other things. By Wednesday, those are going to be patched out. Well, that's a good thing I'm roasting it for other things then. Oh, no! Ha ha ha. You'll have to watch and find out what I found to dislike in Jedi Survivor. And I've also got an extra punctuation dropping for everyone on YouTube. Took a moment to remember there. Yeah, that'll be the nautical one, correct? Yes. The one about ships and boats and stuff. What else we got coming up this week that I'm not to do with? Oh my gosh. Uh, Hidden Gems tonight at uh, 6 p.m. Central. Uh, Jesse and Casey are going to be playing a game called uh, Meg's Monster that looks very, it looks very nice. It looks very sweet. Um, tomorrow we'll have uh, the recap and uh, Nick will be playing Redfall on stream for the editor's hour. Uh, Ooh, and fun. Then, uh, yeah, just all of, our, all of our regular streams. Yeah, we got, we got everything. We got more. We're out of Ravenholm. Uh, we, we're in our buggy now. How long are we going to be in this buggy? Oh, you'll be in the buggy for a while yet. Did okay. you just get out of Ravenholm? Uh, no, we've been buggying around for a while. We had to stop at a couple places. There's like these, like there's a bunch of fucking tremors, antlions, I believe they're called. Oh, okay. Well, you might be past lions. the buggy bit then. Okay. So uh, we're still thoroughly enjoying the game. Let me tell you. Half I guess two. you'll be uh, looking oh, yeah. forward to one of the game's few actual boss fights fairly soon. If you're in we, the buggy, if you're in the bit ooh. with bugs, we are in the bit. We're in the buggy bug, um, oh, the beach bugs, the buggy bugs, bugs on the bug. beach. Oh, are you no, bother, the buggy are you, bugs on the beach. Are you bothering buggy bugs on the beach in your buggy? Just gonna throw up. Uh, and then uh, you can check out uh, written wise. Uh, we have a ton of incredible stuff uh, on the website, uh, including uh, I'm still. Uh, chipping away every day at uh, the uh, what will hopefully be an 18-part series on Zelda games. Uh, my fourth one is up on uh, Link's Awakening, and uh, my fifth one on Ocarina of Time should be up later today. I'm doing a short a short piece on something that stands out to me from each Zelda game, leading up to oh. Tears of the Kingdom. All right then, and one final super chat from Tom Mix one one nine nine, who says gives five dollars and says, "Here's Toffee's snack fund." Tough. Well, no Tough. more snacks for this chunky boy o. Get him a snack. Look at that. That'll be face. Your stretch goal. Look at that, that look at that chubby chubby face. Look at those jowls. Very good jowls. He was licking my beard earlier because he was hoping there'd be crumbs in it. He can't stop. <laughs> Created a monster. I'm just trying to give him body image issues so that he will be motivated by himself to become more svelte. I think that's, that's a bad. I think what you're doing is bad. No one ever looked at a fat dog and said that 
that dog seems like he has a happy, active life. This is true. Well, anyway. Uh, well, I guess that's it from us, then. Excellent. Bye. I gotta Bye, everybody. Get, I gotta take Toffee for a hopefully long walk. Go a couple more times around the block. Just be safe. I guess I will. Bye, everybody. Bye.